Welcome to the Stupid Agent Man podcast, a production of stupidagentman.com. We're asking the stupid questions of the life, annuity, and long-term care business so you don't have to. This podcast episode is brought to you by NoProspecting.biz, where no prospecting means more time for business. Visit them on the web today at NoProspecting.biz. That's NoProspecting.biz. Welcome to the inaugural podcast of stupidagentman.com. I am the host and the stupid agent man, and we have our first guest ever from Arthur J. Gallagher and Company, Rob Erzin. And what is your title there at Arthur J. Gallagher and Company? I'm a vice president of the professional liability division. And um, that would, I guess, include uh, errors and emissions or E&O? Yeah, in fact, our specialty is in the uh, brokering and administering E&O programs for life insurance agents, life insurance companies, broker-dealers, registered reps. Okay. Errors and emissions, what does that exactly mean? Well, a lot of folks actually have the misconception that, that an error is, uh, like in the registered rep arena, is just making an incorrect trade or incorrect transaction. Uh, something as simple as uh, when I'm buying 100 shares of IBM, I meant to buy 1,000. Uh, but actually, errors and omissions insurance covers a wide variety of negligent conduct uh, that an agent or registered rep may uh, engage in. Um, for instance, it could be as simple as making a trade error or checking the wrong box on a variable annuity application, but it also covers uh, any kind of uh, lawsuit, complaint, uh, demand for monetary damages from a customer or client uh, involving uh, any transaction that that agent or rep engaged in. So it could be a, uh, a client that may demand their rescission of their life insurance policy because the agent had made some misrepresentation and there was some miscommunication uh, between what the customer thought they were buying and uh, what the uh, what the agent was selling them. So if we could if we could narrow it down just to the fixed world, the life insurance agent who's selling fixed life insurance, fixed annuities, maybe long-term care, uh, what specifically do you see, I don't know, top five uh, problems that tend to present themselves that E&O will kick in? Um, not too much on the annuity side specifically, but on the, on the fixed life side, I see that the general errors involving um, the um, application uh, that it was filled out improperly. Uh, there was a missing of some sort of endorsement or a writer that w that the customer uh, thought they got and didn't get. Um, we have on in the accident and health world, we have um, not submitting the medical application uh, appropriately appropriately on time. Um, we've got um, one of the, the larger issues we've had uh, in the last uh, five or six years uh, are in the life settlement world. 
the um, uh, folks that are selling life insurance policies and then turning around and settling those same policies and um, and all of the issues that, that surround that involving getting premium financing for the life insurance policy. Uh, the premium financing may have fallen through. Uh, the customer now has to pay back the loan on the on the from the premium financing organization. The policy lapsed and they don't get to settle the policy. Those are probably the top three or four uh, okay. most recently. And negligence or negligent conduct. Well, you know, the legal definition is you, know, you owe a duty to your customer to to uh, to act in a professional, reasonable way, uh, and then you breach that duty by by an alleged uh, wrongful act. Um, and it, it, like I mentioned, it could be as, as simple as something where either the application was filled out incorrectly, but also it, it could be um, um, a, a form of misrepresentation. That's a very common. Uh, um, cause of action against agents where uh, there's just a miscommunication. I thought I was going to be purchasing X and I ultimately got Y. Or um, it could be that the uh, the product, uh, you know, a common cause of action is something was not suitable for me, that you should have known that uh, what you sold me was not appropriate for my circumstances. And as a reasonable agent, you should have known that and therefore I want rescission of the policy. I want my money back. And and one thing that agents really should know is that the, the, the policies, by and large, um, are, a, are duty to defend policies. So even if the true or untrue, these allegations that, you, that the agent committed negligence, it, it doesn't matter for the policy to defend, defend the agent. Um, so people can make up a lot of things in, in litigation, but agents should feel comforted that uh, even, if, even if things are being made up frivolous, untrue, uh, that E&O policies by and large will still defend them. Interesting. Yeah, we have a saying uh, around here that perception is reality. And, you know, we may have written a dissertation, and I've seen them in complaints where agents respond with a 12-page, highly detailed and, and really incredible uh, other side of the story. But the perception was that they were negligent or they misled the client, and that's the reality that you have to deal with. So that's the reality that E&O is going to handle, right? Yeah, and we have a very active plaintiff's bar. Uh, so plaintiff's attorneys are are scouring their, uh, their their client list for opportunities to um, to uh, to file complaints. Um, and also, they're a very organized group. So if there is a particular area that's a problem for one plaintiff or a, an opportunity for one plaintiff's attorney uh, in an area of negligent conduct of an agent, that that information gets gets disseminated across a multitude of plaintiff's lawyers. So uh, they, they end up, they're, they're a very aggressive group and, and can find uh, pockets of opportunity all over the place. Okay. And I have a specific question that I have never been clear on, and, and I want to ask it. Let me see if I can make sense of it. What if an agent has active E&O coverage, they write a piece of business, not only write it, but it's issued and paid and it's in force uh, while they have coverage, and say maybe 18 months later or whenever down the road, the big complaint comes up, lawsuit, whatever it is, and for some reason that agent got stuck 
without coverage at the time of the complaint? What ha- what happens in that situation? Now, that's a great question. Uh, E&O policies, as opposed to, say, I'll use the example of an automobile insurance policy, those policies cover you at the time of the accident. So if you have a policy in force and you get into a car accident, uh, that policy will pay for the damages and any injuries to any of the parties that were involved in the accident. E&O policies are, are not occurrence-based policies. Um, they actually respond when the claim comes in. So using my automobile accident, that accident could have happened, uh, say it happened today. Um, the, the E&O policy that would pay on that accident would be the one where uh, it could be 18 months from now, it could be two years from now, but it's when the plaintiff actually files a demand for money damages, whether that's a, a written complaint or, or litigation. So it's not when the, when the negligent action took place, i.e. the accident, it's when the claim is filed. That's why they call these policies claims made. So that's that situation you're talking about where someone had uh, sold a policy, uh, maybe they did not keep uh, their policy in force for um, some time after that uh, transaction took place, mm-hmm. and then 18 months later, if they don't have the insurance in place, it's not going to pay for that claim. Okay, and then the reverse of that, what if for some reason they let their you know lapse, didn't realize it, they wrote a piece of the transaction, negligence, every, everything took place without coverage, but then they have coverage at the time of the complaint? Uh, another good question. The uh, any policy that they purchase, um, uh, the it's called a prior acts date, and what that means is is that you have to maintain continuous coverage all the way back to the date of that wrongful act. So what that means is 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 you have that transaction that took place. We'll just say it's January first, two thousand and ten. You had to have had a policy in force covering you for that during that time frame back in 2010. You bought another policy in 2011, renewed it. You renewed your policy in 2012, and here we are in 2013. You have a policy in force. Because you had that policy in force at the time of that wrongful act back in 2010, your policy in 2013 will cover that claim. But if you didn't have a policy in place at that time, or uh, if you uh, have a gap in coverage, uh, you had a policy in place in 2010 when that act happened, but you didn't renew your policy in 2011. Then you renewed one again or got a new policy in 2012. Claim comes in in 2013 because you had a gap in 2011. That activity in 2010 wouldn't be covered if a claim came in today. Detail. Agents really don't understand that, and it's, it's an, important, uh, an important issue for, for folks to be aware of. Okay, and and I guess it doesn't matter if it was the E and O coverage through another carrier in 2010, and then they're covered with Arthur J Gallagher in 2012. As long as there was continuous coverage, that's irrelevant. Yeah, it, it uh, basically yeah. Most life insurance policies or life insurance agent E and O policies uh, cover prior acts. So from year to year, when you switch carriers, it would cover your prior acts. But it's something to look at if you're going to change carriers, is to ask that specific question. Okay. Uh, if I switch carriers, do I do I have prior acts, and how far does it go back? Most of them will say date of first continuous coverage is how far it will go back. So as long as you maintain that continuity, you can switch carriers from one to another. But it's a good question to ask if you're going to switch. 
Rob, when when a, when an agent has that gap uh, in coverage on on E and O, um, from what we've discussed, that can that. Can that could be a real issue in some situations. What is there anything at all they can do? Uh, coverage they can they can fill that gap somehow so they have continuous coverage. That's a real tough problem, Jeb. And I'll tell you the the, the best uh, answer to that is to to make sure uh, that you maintain continuous coverage and don't have a gap. Uh, because what what carriers are afraid of is that you, know, you go for a period of time, you're buying insurance, you stop buying insurance for a period of time for whatever reason, and most of the time it's just the agent has forgotten to renew, or maybe they left the business for a period of time and are coming back. But what the carriers are afraid of is that you stop buying the insurance and then all of a sudden you re-up and buy some today. And because these policies are claims made, you could report a claim immediately uh, based upon something that maybe you thought was coming. And so they, they, uh, they have a real sensitivity to that, and that's why it's so difficult to, to bridge those gaps. And, and most will not allow you to, uh, to, uh, to to bridge that gap in coverage. So the best thing is to be on the front end of it and not and continually maintain your insurance. You know, even if you think you might be out of the business for a period of time, might come back. It doesn't hurt to maintain that insurance. And you know, life agent E and O is is uh, still maintained at a relatively low level premium wise. It may just make, make sense to keep it. Now that's something I haven't thought of. If somebody's out of the business, they're retiring, uh, they very well need to, to think about continuing that coverage. Yeah, there's a couple different options there if they're deciding to get out of the business. Some some programs and policies will uh, allow you to purchase what's what's conveniently called in the business tail. Uh, the technical term is extended reporting, and what that means is that uh, you go to your current carrier and say, I'd like to be able to, to purchase tail so that I may be not transacting business anymore, but I don't know if I'm going to get a claim in the next year or two years or three years out for business I placed prior to my retirement. Tail, T-A-I-L? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Tail coverage. Exactly. Uh, extended reporting is what normally is called in the policy, but the, the, the common term is tail. And um, Or, in the alternative, if, if your carrier does not offer a tail option, it may just make sense for you to completely renew that policy for a few years after you retire, just in case something might come in that you uh, didn't foresee, uh, but uh, you, you never know what can happen. It may just make sense to continue to maintain that, uh, that policy in place. Okay, and I think some agents are under the misconception that tail coverage is a solution for filling a gap in coverage, whether it was a two-month period or whatever between E&O coverage. That's not the case, is it? No, it really isn't. Uh, it's really designed, uh, tail is really designed when you're, um, like for corporations that have uh, have uh, insurance coverage uh, and they're going to wind down the corporation, they purchase tail because uh, the corporation is not going to be around anymore and they want to be able to protect. Uh, the officers and directors and owners of that corporation in the future for something the corporation did prior to winding down. The same holds true for individuals. Uh, you just don't know what can happen in a, in a, a year or two down the road. But the, the, the tail insurance is really designed to uh, provide you that security if you're leaving the business or, or, or doing something else versus trying to close a gap. Okay. And, and given the high risk of not having E&O coverage in force. What uh, is there a grace period or anything when somebody maybe uh, didn't renew in time uh, to prevent that from uh, lapsing and not having coverage? 
Yeah, you know, um, that's a great question. And, you know, in, in our program, for instance, if, if say, for instance, you had a, maybe a 15 days or 30 days where you had a policy in place, it expired, and you went, whoa, oh, my goodness, I forgot to renew my E&O insurance. Um, we have agents sign a warranty letter that says, I don't know of anything that's going on in the last 30 days that I didn't renew my insurance, and we'll close that short gap for them. But anything beyond 30, maybe 60 days, real tough for an insurance carrier to to uh, to close that gap. Um, so if if, you, if you're out six months or you're out a year and didn't have insurance, uh, you're probably going to have uh, a real difficulty. Warranty letter. Okay, something else to be aware of. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Okay. Yeah. What about ratings on specifically on insurance companies and and the AM best rating are there cert, certain rating or rated carriers that would not be covered in an E&O plan yeah the answer to that um E&O policies by and large don't want to be the reinsurer for defunct life insurance companies. And what that essentially means is, is that when um, uh, when an insurance company goes goes bankrupt, uh, the people who are holding policies or annuities or, or any, any of their product are looking for somewhere to get their money back. And because they can't go after the life insurance company any longer, they'll seek to go after the uh, insurance agents themselves. And so the, uh, the issue there is that the agents may not have had anything to do with uh, the fact that the life insurance company likely didn't have anything to do with the life insurance company going bankrupt, yet are being held responsible for selling an inappropriate or, or a, uh, an unsuitable product. So to, uh, to mitigate that, um, insurance companies will make uh, concessions. They'll say, well, as long as it was A minus or better or A or better um, at the time of sale, uh, then if that company subsequently goes bankrupt, then um, uh, you will still have coverage as an agent for your wrongful act. Uh, the, the problem with that is is that um, well, most of those organizations aren't the ones that we have trouble with. Uh, it's actually more the, the folks that are either unrated uh, because, like, for instance, in, in some of the uh, you know, regional PPOs or accident health insurance, some of those are, are, are not rated. Uh, or it's the ones that are in the B range that have the, 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 the financial solvency issue. So, you know, agents should be um, aware, and it's important to understand that if, if a life insurance company does go insolvent, um, their E&O carrier may not respond to their claim. But the, um, the, that doesn't necessarily apply to anything else that, that a claim may allege. So, so a B-rated company, there was an act of negligence, like we talked before, um, some of the examples, um, that would be covered so that, that, under an E&O plan. Well, if the if the company was insolvent, um, no, they would they would not cover that. No, just they're, they're still in business. Everything's going good. They're just a B-rated company, and there was an act. Oh yeah, that's yeah. It, oh, oh yeah, that's, that's what I was getting to just a second ago. Was just if it uh, the insolvency is just one issue. If you sell that product, and we were just talking about uh, just the kind of things that can happen, make a mistake, 
client alleges some sort of misrepresentation, uh, you'll still have coverage for that B-rated uh, company. For any other what I would call sales practice um, okay. type allegations or negligence, it's just the insolvency that would be the problem. Okay, very clear and uh, very important to know. Yeah, it, it's it's important and and in. Some agents, I think, don't understand where the you know companies and why they do that. The, the truth is that uh, they've been they've been beaten up pretty badly by uh, by plaintiffs' counsels uh, coming after agents for really that had nothing to do with their activity. And actually, many times agents get into those claims and get themselves released very quickly because of the fact they had nothing to do with it. Okay. Uh, the insolvency of the life insurance company. Excellent. And I, I lied. I had I had one other one other quick question. What, and then I'm done. I promise. This is it. I skipped over it for some reason. Um, what is the process for a claim, and and who gets involved? So, say the the agent receives a, a complaint, maybe even a a, a letter from a, an attorney. The carrier receives that and is asking the agent for their side of the story based on this complaint. Uh, what what happens? Who contacts you guys, the E and O carrier, to to get involved, and what is the process? Uh, the 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 basic process uh, of that. Uh, it, it's an excellent. It's an excellent question, and I think agents should always err on the side of caution whenever they get something in writing from either a customer who is making some sort of allegations about um, uh, some negligent conduct that the agent did in selling the product, or if they get a letter from the life insurance company where the customer complained directly to the life insurance company, and the life insurance company is coming to the agent and asking questions about of the transaction, immediately at that point they should notify their insurance carrier. And, and the first place I would look to where to notify is a certificate of insurance. A certificate of insurance is going is to say on there who the broker was for the, for the policy. And in our case, we're, we're the broker or placement agent for the E&O policy. And if, if you're looking for a, a quick way to get in touch with your carrier, the first thing I would look for is on that certificate of insurance and contact your broker. Um, otherwise, if you have a copy of the policy, or sometimes you have a copy of a handbook, or like on our website we have a frequently asked questions or what to do in the event of a claim, you can also go to those resources and find out what to do. And, and typically it is going to be a, uh, a claim reporting form. Uh, in this day and age, uh, everything is email uh, instead of um, uh, fax usually. They do have fax numbers or, or it's generally email. And what they'll ask you to do is to fill out some of the basics, who you are, your policy number, uh, and then give some basic facts of, of what's happened, and then submit any documentation that you've received. So you'll submit that letter that you got from the client or from, um, from the life insurance company, and then that will go into their claim reporting system, and you'll receive a letter, usually in about, uh, about a week. Now, if, if you do have an actual litigation pending, um, carriers are very sensitive to the time frames at which you have to respond, so they'll get in touch with you very quickly in, in the event you have that situation. But you've got to give them a little bit of time to get the information, to issue a letter saying we got it, and then they'll be in contact with you for next steps. And if they felt like they needed legal representation, is that something the E&O carrier provides, or is that something they need to pursue on their own? Uh, they ought not pursue it on their own. The, um, um, the E&O policies are very specific about not admitting liability. And so what you don't want to have happen is if indeed someone is looking for you to, to rectify a situation and pay them back or rescind a policy or something like that, uh, you, you 
you should not make statements against your interests because uh, you have a B&O policy that's going to step in and, and potentially pay on your behalf. So you, you don't want to uh, admit any liability. You want to contact the E&O carrier, and you don't want to hire your own counsel. That's really the job of the E&O carrier. Okay. And um, so I, I would recommend that you take your, uh, um, your steps and actions uh, at their direction at that point. Well, that's important. Okay, um, you guys have a relationship with the NALBA, um, National Association of Insurance Life Brokers Association. Uh, I, I slaughtered that. Let's, let's try that again. Independent Life Broker Agency. There you go. I told you I was a stupid agent. So, um, There's a discount there for agents uh, that, that go using that link? Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're doing business with one of the member wholesalers, um, provided you uh, enter the the code, mm -hmm. which is Nailba zero five, mm -hmm. uh, you're able to to get ten percent off of your approximately ten percent off. Depends on the state, but it's anywhere between ten and fifteen percent off of your E&O premium. Okay. So it's a nice discount that we offer to uh, folks that do business with uh, with our member organization. Okay. And where do they go on the web? It's pretty easy to get a quote and also pay with a credit card or whatever and online, correct? Exactly. Uh, they, can, they can go online and they can either go through the Nailba website. I have the agent, uh, tell me if this is still accurate, agenteoprogram.com. That's exactly the other way. That will go directly to the, to the website. They can get an instant indication of the, what, the, what it would cost. So it is state rated, so it will vary depending on where the agent is located. But they just got to tell us uh, where they're located, uh, tell them uh, some brief information, some basic information of how much uh, uh, commission that they've earned just to give a sense about where they're at in, the, um, uh, in our uh, uh, rating model. And then it will give them an in instant indication of what they would have to pay. And if they decide that's a price that they're willing to pay and they, they like the coverage, they can go forward with an application, which is only about two pages long. Okay, great. Uh, www.agenteoprogram.com. Okay, fantastic. Uh, Rob, I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us. Arthur J. Gallagher and company been around since, I believe, the 20s. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, Art, Art's been gone for quite a while, but yeah, we're, uh, we're in our 80th year. That's awesome. Uh, so we've been around quite a while. This, this, our division here in Southern California, we've been, we've been doing this for just about 30 years. We appreciate you again taking the time to uh, just to go through uh, some really important stuff on E&O and, and a lot that I, I would say a lot of agents are unaware of. So thanks again, Rob. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. All right. Happy to do it, Jeff. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. This podcast is the property of CLA USA, Inc., and is designed to provide introductory information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is intended for licensed insurance agents only and is not intended for use with the general public. Unauthorized use, copy, reproduction, transmission, distribution, and quotation of this podcast is strictly prohibited. This material is not intended to be used nor can it be used by any taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding U.S. federal, state, or local tax penalties. This material is written to support the promotion or marketing of the transaction, transactions, or matter matters addressed by this material. CLA USA and their respective agents do not provide tax accounting or legal advice. Individuals should seek professional advice based on their particular circumstances from an independent tax advisor and or attorney.